With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jim Britt and Jim Lutz had a vision, and the Change Book series was developed. Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work life balance specialist, Deb Crow. Join Deb weekly where she interviews the top co authors from all over the globe who share their insights into self empowerment with life enhancing realizations that will touch every area of your life. We're live every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time. Good afternoon, everyone. The universe is definitely testing us today. We're having technical difficulties from Blog Talk Radio, so I do apologize. Lene, are you on the line with me? I am on the line. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. We've connected. My sincere apologies, my dear, for the technological <laughs> funk we're having. Wow. Well, this, this has certainly been a, um, a challenge of the day. Um, well, technology reigns supreme sometimes, doesn't it? And it we does. just have to uh, well, go with that. Not to worry. We're, we're going to have a half hour with you, and we're going to have a half hour with Dakara. So better late than never. So I just would like to let our listeners know that you are one of the co-authors in the Change Book series from Book 7, and your title of your chapter is The Profitability of Purpose, The Wizard of Oz, and You. And I would love for you just to take a couple of minutes and tell our listeners about you and your background because you've got such an interesting background. So I'm going to turn it over to you because I'm so tardy in my, my lateness of introducing you. <laughs> okay. Um, gosh, where do I begin? Um, well, I started in my, my work career. I started um, working with my father, and um, then I became um, part of the Disney organization and worked at Disneyland, helped open Walt Disney World in Florida, and um, transferred from there back to uh, California where I did my undergraduate work. Um, I I have a lot of personal stories that, that feed into the person, the uh, professional path that I've taken. I have my own company now I called the Abundance Company that is an umbrella company for um, a couple of different things. One is called the Abundance, um, Abundance Leadership, which is a radio show that I did for a while, and um, also a sub-company called the Abundance Success Academy, which teaches uh, marketing and business success to uh, small business owners and other entrepreneurs, of course. Um, on a personal level, I have um, grown, I, I believe, from the, the junk that, that life has given me, and I, I believe that that's probably the greatest gifts that we have. Um, from my, um, my first marriage, I, well, kind of my first marriage, <laughs> I gave birth to twin sons, who are now successful business owners and entrepreneurs themselves. And um, I'm living now in the San Francisco Bay Area in San Jose, what we call the capital of Silicon Valley. And my passion is creating and, and helping leaders build organizations that inspire the soul. And when we honor the humanity and the needs and uh, the life that is within the people that we are surrounded by, Everybody is uplifted, and actually people make more money. The organization does better. People want to stay there and do the best work. And that's a place where clients are naturally attracted to want to do business. So it's um, kind of is something that is an, an amalgam of my work experiences as well as my life experiences. Well, you certainly sound like you're a very busy lady. Is that fair to say? I'm I'm pretty busy. <laughs> it sounds it, and I I love your enthusiasm, and I love the diversity of your background and and all the academic endeavors that you've done, and just kind of how you've migrated. But 
your chapter really, really resonated with me because I do read everyone's chapter before I interview them. So you've shared with us your passion and, and what you're doing in business. Mm -hmm. So I'd like, I'd like to ask you, we are rapidly growing as a powerful global community with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz and the Change Book series. Tell uh -huh. us what excites you about that. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I, I believe that by coming together, we can make a difference in the world. Um, my, personal, my personal golden purpose, as I call it, is to, is to um, honor the sacredness of each other and the planet and that is something that I try to live out every day and um, be, help create a more loving and sustainable planet. And although I believe I can, I can make some kind of impact in the people that I, that I touch, or whether they're clients or, or people that come to where I speak or read the books that I have um, either authored or co-created, um, to come together with a community brings a synergy and a power and um, a greater love and energy than we could ever do alone. So I'm thrilled to be part of something where people are stepping up to the greatest piece of who they are and bringing that out to the world and trying to make a difference. Well, and I think each week when I ask that question, I think we all have a collaborative answer, and I think we see the power in numbers. And I know personally, I have just met so many incredible people around the world. It's often a joke between Jim Lutz and I that I'll never have to book another hotel room in my travels. But <laughs> how, how, does that, how does that make you feel? Like you're connecting with other individuals who are, are like-minded. And I don't know what your experience has been to date, but I've not only got amazing new colleagues and people that I'm doing joint ventures and business collaborations, but I've now got friends all over the world. You know, it's, it, it fits in beautifully, not only with my, my own philosophy is that um, we need each other. We are tribal by our natural creation and, and what, you know, what we evolved from. And my, um, my hunch and my own experience is that, especially in this country, we've been so dispersed through, our professional needs and that type of thing, that we have lost a lot of that. And we are more powerful the more that we can collaborate and be part of the human tribe and be with like-minded people. Working alone as an entrepreneur these last few years, um, I've, I've found that the, the, those times when I do come together with other professionals who have the same heart and same passion for what they do as I do, it actually makes all of us stronger. It energizes me, even if I just have an assistant coming and working here in my home office with me. Having other people around who are there trying to move forward is gives gives me so much more fuel to try to try to do more of what I'm created here to do. So, um, and and on a personal note, one of my dreams, and I don't know if you know how how many coaching certifications I have, but there's a whole bunch of them. But um, I'm a certified dream coach to Marsha Weider's um, organization. And one of my dreams is to, to work internationally and, and partner with people internationally because it shares the passion that I have to not only make, an, make a difference, but also to travel, which is one of my passions. So um, to be able to do my work, live my purpose, and actually connect on, um, globally with people to me is huge. Well, you just you just answered one of my questions that I won't have to ask you now. And you and I were were chatting on Facebook and this is part of what I love uh, as being a co-author of the change, but just having the honor and privilege of doing this radio show. You mm -hmm. asked me if I knew anyone in Paris and right away Diana Allen popped into my my mind. So, I just feel fortunate that I have reached out and connected with so many of the co-authors, but it just intrigued me when you said, hey, do you know somebody in Paris? And I made that connection. But on a deeper level, your story is going to help and has helped, I'm sure, so many people and so many young girls to date. And it resonated with me because I wanted you to connect with Tracy Randall because 
she has just written a book of similar content. So I would just love, would you give the listeners just an overview of your chapter, just a takeaway of kind of what you covered just so that, you know, it will intrigue them to read it. Cause I don't, I don't want to give away a lot of the content because it's a very beautiful, moving, emotional story. Um, oh, absolutely. absolutely. I, um, gosh, where do I begin? Um, where I normally start is, is, is talking about the tsunami that hit my family when my sister was killed. And I was only 13, and she was my only sibling. She was 17 at the time. And the impact that that not only had on my parents, of course, but also me and my development. And um, I became kind of the invisible child, even more invisible than I was when I was growing up into that period of age 13 and uh, lost myself. I tried to become her. I was taking care of my parents. I had a huge responsibility and um, never felt that I was just being loved and accepted um, for who I was. I was raised with a a lot of shame. I had a lot of guilt because I wanted my sister dead as a child. We, a lot of us, want to be the only child. And then it happened. And um, I struggled a lot to get some attention attention to myself where others, especially my parents, could see the kind of pain that I was in around losing myself and um, and then just the guilt and shame I was carrying. And so consequently, um, I, I went through a long period of, of having an eating disorder. I put on a lot of weight. I um, reached out for a lot of love. Um, when I was 22, um, I eloped with somebody who was um, a very, very bad choice, um, to put it mildly, because I, I really thought it here at age 22, this is the last person who was ever going to love me in my life. And, um, and I spiraled down for a while into a deep pit that I really felt I would probably never climb out of. I, never, I can see it now. Where I, I literally felt like I was, that I was sitting in a deep pit and I was looking up and there was a slippery slope all around me that I would never be able to to climb and of course I did and um, when I look at my life now um, I look at the human being that if I when I was a teenager I would have said oh my god I could never be like that and um, there's there's been of course a lot of setbacks and and pain and that type of thing um, that even some details that aren't in the story that have been part of the process. But one thing I, I decided to do early on was just rather than carrying around like bags of manure tied to my ankle, I decided just to open that up and see what kind of fertilizer it would make for me. And so I just started growing things in that and being grateful for the gifts of the pain and the betrayals and um, the hurt, the the losses and that type of thing, and use them in order to grow and climb up higher than I ever would have without them. So kind of in the nutshell, that's what it is. And, it, and I found my great purpose in that. Um, um, well, and I, you know, I think that all men and women, I should preface that, I think all mm-hmm. adult men and women have some type of life experience or loss or trauma as children And I'm always intrigued with different people I meet. And I think it comes down to our coping strategies. Some of of us Mm -hmm. learn it later than sooner. But I would like you to just talk about uh, why the Wizard of Oz kind of became a fascination and and how you use that to kind of get through the loss of your sister and, and, and the absence of the maternalness of your mom. You know, it's, it's it was an interesting journey going through the the Wizard of Oz. I um, I grew up with that when I was growing up um, in Iowa, lived, born and raised in Des Moines. The TV um, channels broadcast that every Thanksgiving, so I saw it a lot. And then when I was in graduate school back in the '90s, um, one of my teams and I used that when he stressed as a character from the wizard of oz i think i was a cowardly lion and we each presented a piece of that showing different um leadership skills that they each had and how that emerged and and also uh, communication so it was a great learning tool and 
then I decided just to watch it and watch just Toto. And it was an amazing thing to see the different roles of these characters and Toto, which a lot of people dismiss, but he has a, a huge role. He's actually the, um, he actually is the hero. Toto the hero is the name of an old movie, but um, he actually is kind of like the hero. And we didn't dismiss him because he's like this little insignificant thing, as we all are when we start looking at the millions of people that inhabit not only the world, but you know the thousands that inhabit our lives. We may feel that we can't make a difference, but we can. We can. I think Toto is very significant. So I just, it just came to me. Um, as I, I've used the Wizard of Oz to teach things like um, um, building um, strategic business plans um, because there's a lot of strategy. There's a, just a lot of messages in that film. So I just happened to get out of bed one day, and I already had the story about kind of my journey because I was part of a, a, a world premiere play, kind of like, um, oh, the Vagina Monologues. It was, it was real women kind of telling their story and their journey. And I decided to, to use that. And then I woke up one morning, and a voice came to me and said, why not talk about The Wizard of Oz? Because that's something that everybody is familiar with. And so I talk about the storms in life that actually bring us to our deepest purpose and, and cause us to step up with what it is that has been handed to us and where we find ourselves planted as a result sometimes of the storms. And, and as I say in the book, it's not the playtimes and picnics that brought Dorothy up to the, the, the level of who she could be. It was, it was a tornado. And um, so I, I just kind of weaved that in as something hopefully everybody could relate to. And what I also loved as I started thinking about that was that it was an illusion on the part of all these different characters, whether it was the lion or the tin man or um, the scarecrow. It was an illusion that they did not have what they were looking for. And they displayed that all the way through the story. The, the tin man had a heart. And the lion had courage, and, and the scarecrow had a brain, and they showed that. But they were all blind to the fact that they didn't have, did not have these shortcomings at all. There was all an illusion. And then at the end, the great wizard was an illusion. What we were all afraid of, or what, what we all are afraid of, or some of us are afraid of, and in, and in the Wizard of Oz, these different characters are fearing the most, and they're shaking in their knees, literally, when they meet the wizard, it turns out he's just, he's the straw man. He is, he is just an illusion. And it was Toto who stepped up and he pulled back the curtain of illusion and showed everything, the truth of what, what they had. And, um, but through this whole journey, was, the great purpose that united them was not, you know, getting a heart or a brain or, or courage or finding home. Those were goals. The purpose that grew out of that was love. They all united in a purpose of love, love of Dorothy. And that's what gave them the courage and the heart and the brain to continue. So that really inspired me when I started looking deeper into the souls of these characters and how we could apply that whole thing to ourselves as well. Well, and I think just listening to you and how, how you've explained how you've threaded that to part of your journey of healing and recovery, and I'm sure the work that you're doing with the men and women or even the businesses is shining through. And, and what I find interesting is I love talking to Jim Britt about fear, and mm-hmm. he always tells us it's a made-up story in our mind and that... Mm-hmm. As human beings, we need to become more self-observant. We need to look at ourselves and what we're doing. And sometimes we have to observe and other times we need to disconnect because we all get trapped in energy. And I won't expand on that because our next guest is, is, a, is a healer and I'm, I'm really going to have her let the listeners know all about energy. But just like you said, obs- observation of your thoughts. What are you thinking about and language and, and the words we use? But I want to ask you a question. Have you become the mom that you wanted to have? 
Oh, I hope so. You know, I was so conscious of that. And, and it's not that my mother was a bad mother. She was a, a good mother in, in many ways, but she, you know, she had her own issues about being enough and, and um, shame and, and that type of thing. But she also was, until the day she died, deeply, um, I don't want to say fed because that's not really the right word, but deeply sad always mourning and so there was for me as a child um there was always a piece that was all that there was attention somewhere else and um she you know she was just a doer she was always busy doing something and as i think a way of dealing with her own um lack of being or a lack of enoughness within herself and then um which you know took a lot of attention away from her kids but then as my sister, um, after my sister's passing, there was just a huge hole there that nothing could fill. And I, I tried filling it, but I couldn't. So it was not, you know, the sufficiency was not in me. And so it, it took a lot of learning on my part. I'm grateful for the gifts um, that came out of all that. I don't ever want to go through it again. <laughs> Thank God I won't. But um, I think it, it made me a much more insightful parent. Um, I know when my kids would say, Mommy, I would, I would always say, I'm listening to you, or I hear you. So they always knew I was present. Um, so yes, I, th- I think I, I was a different kind of mother. I don't want to say better or worse, but I was, I was different as a result of the lessons that I learned and what I observed and what I felt myself growing up. Well, it's it's interesting for me because I seem to have a commonality with every author that I've interviewed to date, and um, I I felt a similar uh, feeling to how you wrote in your book. My oldest mm. brother died at four in a fire, mm. and I think, I think now that I and I'm the youngest, I mm-hmm. think. Now that I'm a mother, I think it allows us to maybe have a different set of eyes. I think after you give birth and you realize that you love this little person more than anything else on earth, and it's it's a level of love that I think is just indescribable. And I think mm-hmm. our mothers and our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers I think you made a really valid point. I think there was a lot of depression. I think there was lack of coping skills. They just mm-hmm. didn't have the resources that we had. And their husbands had to go to geographically wherever the work was. So a strategy for them was smoking. It was drinking because that was the then and the time in that day. Right. So it's, it's interesting because I talk to the baby boomers and I talk to people still in their 40s, late 40s, and there is that commonality of behavior for that generation. But I think it's like you said, we have to look back at the time of when they were born and their era and what life experiences they had and just have, you know, forgiveness and know that they did to the best of their ability for what tools and strategies they had. Uh, absolutely. And um, my my belief and the way I try to let, live my life is to um, not carry around um, any kind of grievances, and but to always allow myself to forgive others. And because that's not it's it's not good for me, and I'm here to do a certain thing on earth. I want to be the best and the fullest that I can be and make a difference um, through a loving presence. And when we live carrying around any kind of cynicism or blame, um, it doesn't serve us, and it doesn't serve, us on our, doesn't serve our path forward and the people we're here to touch. Um, so absolutely, um, my parents and your parents and we as parents um, do the best we can with what we have at the time. And I don't think that anybody, well, maybe there are a few, but I think that, <laughs> I may have to be careful how I say that, but I think most people are doing the best they can with what they have at the time, even if clearly they could have done better. But, you know, we're complex creatures. We are, and we're complex, but we have basic needs. I think 
every human being on this planet wants two things. They want to have acceptance and they want to have the ability to have control over what's going on in their life. Right, right. And it's through those that we find our greatest values of who we are and what really motivates and feeds us. And um, I've done a a lot of work um, to, you know, discovering my strengths and and needs and values analysis and that type of thing. And I I work with my clients through that as well. And the more clarity we have with that, the more we can fully be ourselves because we're not searching around saying, well, is is this a good fit for me or not? And one of my great needs, I have two actually, is um, freedom and inner harmony. And that actually feeds my gifts, which is to, to bring um, greater communication and do consulting and that kind of thing to help people um, kind of open the doors of their path forward. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all good. It's all good because we, we don't know at the moment what, how anything is going to unfold to. So for me, it serves me well just to label it all is all good at this present moment, even though it may not look like it at the time. No, I, I hear what you're saying. Now, you listed five lessons that stood out for you when you reflected on the Wizard of Oz movie, and I would just like to list the five points for our listeners. Mm-hmm. So now, So number one is don't be afraid of telling someone your truth. Number two is to communicate your needs. Number three is your purpose is bigger than your journey and bigger than your goals. Number four is our purpose can be expressed each day of our journey. And number five is the worst of people and situation may give you the greatest gifts. Mm -hmm. And the sixth the sixth and last one is all you need is within you all along. And that that to me is kind of a, a pivotal point. I think it's a strong statement. And it's a self-realization that everyone comes to at a different time. Again, depending on resources, colleagues, friends, family, there's all kinds of different dynamics. So can you can you let the listeners know what's the one challenge that you're seeing repetitive, repetitively in your clients that your talents are addressing? Oh wow. I think probably the number one thing is that um not everybody is open to fully living out what they're capable of. Um, there is, maybe I don't know if it's fear or it's just a, being in a comfortable place. And then the the reticence to take steps out of that. And for me, that's one reason why I I have such a passion about about purpose because purpose is when you kind of get into kind of like what I call the golden purpose, it's kind of like, you know, what is a divine purpose while you're here on earth? And there's different exercises to go through to, um, to define that for yourself. And when you do, it's kind of like you get goosebumps all the way through your body from the inside out. And because you know it, it at a very deep and a very high level, it's true. Um, and then nothing can stop you. But there, I've, I, I, I don't know what else to say except, you know, this, that being afraid of being uncomfortable for a while by just kind of stepping out and, and, and stretching and opening the blinders, taking off the blinders to see what all is available in order to fully be our best and live fully what we're here to to live and achieve, not only for ourselves, but for the world at large. Well, and I think you just said that so beautifully. So I truly want to apologize for the technical difficulties with Blog Talk Radio, but that's the fun of, of technology, and I just go with the flow. We had a rainstorm last week, and it was better late than never, so... It's been an honor to talk to you for 30 minutes. I look forward to meeting you someday. And I really want to thank you for your contribution to the Change Book series. 
And I just wish you all the best in your success. And thank you for sharing your story with the listeners. I am so pleased to be here, Deb. Thank you so much. And have a wonderful rest of the day, rest of the week. Look forward to meeting you as well. All right. You take care and have a great day. Okay. Bye, everybody. So just such an inspiring interview with Linnea Hagen from Book 7. And I I laugh when we have technical glitches, but I, I never get worried about things because they all work out and unfold as they should, which leads me into our, our next co-author, which I'm really privileged to have because she is in Book 5 with me, and I just love her name. Her name is Dakara Keys. I'm going to be asking her about that in a moment. But let me tell you about Dakara. She is a gifted, intuitive healer, and she specializes in clearing core issues and blocks that hold you back from stepping into your true power, passion, and purpose, and working with the inner child to bless, heal, and nurture that most sacred part of ourselves. So, Dakara, welcome. And again, sorry for the lateness. That's okay, Deb. Um, thank you so much for inviting me to be here today. I'm excited to connect with you and just kind of help share some light and energy with all the listeners. Well, I have to share that you and I chatted earlier in the week and you were so kind enough to do a session with me over the phone And I have to tell the listeners, I felt like I had just stepped out of the spa. I was so relaxed, and I think we spent about 20 or 30 minutes together, and you just walked me through this beautiful exercise of healing and energy, and we just had a wonderful talk. So I have to say firsthand how blessed your clients must be when they utilize your help and just the gifts that you have as a healer. Well, thank you so much. It was my pleasure to work with you. And the beautiful thing of private session work or even, you know, when I'm working with groups is that it's all organic in the moment. I'm not like coming in with a script or an agenda. It's up to the client what they'd like to address. And even when they don't know what they would like to address, then I can scan their field and the guides will show us the most predominant or the thing that's up energetically that will best serve in addressing to help them move forward. So, um, yeah, it was great working with you and helping you shift some energy. And usually what I hear from people is that they just feel lighter, they feel happier, um, maybe better prepared to, you know, take that next step or move forward. And, of course, it's going to depend on what was addressed during their session. Well, I love uh, energy workers. I have a lot of friends. I have a couple family members. So tell us what's your area of passion and especially when it comes to your business, what just ignites you? Seeing the shifts and changes in the clients um, because my heart is really a healer's heart and I really love seeing when people can transform and they're moving forward in the direction that that they're wanting because I've been training for over 25 years, so I have a lot of different tools in my toolbox and a lot of gifts from from source and from my guides that does just that. And many of them are just brought in in the moment for that particular person, and then, of course, they get to be used or um, to help others. But it's really when I see the shifts and the changes and when at the end of a session or at the next session or an email comes and... I'll hear from someone who's been struggling with something for a while and then all of a sudden they've just like burst beyond that and they're taking the action steps that are necessary to move them to the next level that they're that they're wanting. And that can be something very involved or very simple. I believe in taking baby steps with things because sometimes taking the big steps just feels too overwhelming and it's what will keep somebody stuck longer. But if we can take a little baby step, then another little baby step it just makes it easier so i love to help facilitate baby steps i guess you could say well and i think i think you do and i think that's such a great way to say it 
Yeah, because it's like even in the baby steps, it's like, okay, you know, now we've done this or we've addressed this. or And I help people on a personal level with all kinds of uh, traumas or energies from this lifetime and you know, previous lifetimes, connections to their ancestors of programs and energies that they're running that they're not even conscious of. I mean, how could we be? But when we go back and look at ancestral-wise, be like, oh, yeah, I remember somebody saying that. And, of course, if it's, you know, several generations back, they may not have it, but they'll know the pattern that I see in the ancestor connected to them. So it's like even having that awareness brought into their consciousness is enough to um, give them the hope that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, especially when they've been struggling with something for a long time. And and I love the pun coming from an energy worker, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now, I loved I loved your chapter. Um, I read it a long time ago because you and I are both in book five, and it's entitled How to Be Money. And I want to talk to you about that in just a minute. But I want to know from from your from your heart and your mind, we are a growing, powerful global community with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz and the Change Book series. We're now on book 10. We have surpassed 200 authors. What excites you about that? It's the collective. I am a big believer in community. And I actually uh, facilitate or produce a monthly event here um, that fosters community. I have a speaker. People come. Um, the money that's left at the end of the year, I donate to local charities. So this is just a different way of creating community on a much bigger scale. And I think that that is vital on our planet at this point, is having and connecting with others in magical ways that we don't even know what the potential outcome of that would be. And that's what I love. And it's it's a movement. And it's the movement of that energy of expansion and connection. It's almost like creating like a, a web or a grid around the planet as the books continue to grow and the author list continues to grow. We're all a part of that connection into that webbing. That is a beautiful way of saying it. And just seeing it grow and seeing the diversity of the co-authors and just the life experience and education that they bring. Uh, I've, I've met so many wonderful, amazing people to date. And like you said, uh, it is a global movement. And I think we're, we're hitting momentum and it's, it's growing rapidly. So I want to talk. Sorry, go ahead. It's just so amazing. You know, the whole you know, the concept of what they've brought forth and the dedication to just continue to expand and make this magic happen because to me it is it is magical. The whole the whole thing is magic. I I couldn't agree more. Now I know that you talk to a lot of people and I know we can't breach confidentiality, but could you share one challenge that you see or hear from your clients repetitively that you're really finding all of your amazing talents address? I'm going to I'm going to stay with that energy. I mentioned the word struggle earlier and because struggle sometimes is an energy, it can be a belief in our mind, it can be connected to um a feeling of unworthiness or a lack of self-confidence. So I think if I was to nutshell something down, we want to clear the energy or relinquish the energy of struggle. And I actually have a, a free class that I offer to anyone that wants to take advantage of that to go in and clear energy around the energy of struggle, around one area of their life each time they listen to it. And then there's a beautiful meditation that helps them cancel the contract. If you think on a soul level, if you've got a contract with the energy of struggle and you're just moving from struggling in one area of your life or one aspect of an issue in your life to another, then you definitely want to be looking at it at a more expanded way at a soul level. So I think when we can clear that energy of struggle or the gatekeepers, which are an energy that many times thinks protect is protecting us but will hold us back, 
Um, that would be a good theme because I work with uh, business people that have big projects where they're having some stumbling blocks or things are getting hinked up. So I can look at the energy of the project as well. And if we bring it down, it's always going to be something that is creating a struggle or a procrastination or um, a block to not moving forward. Well, and I mean, is struggle not just the foundation of fear? It's just a different word, right? Exactly. Yes, exactly. You know, so if we look at fear as an acronym of being false evidence appearing real and we've bought into whatever that evidence is as being real, then yes, um, fear is huge because it can be connected to so many things, again, that we're not even conscious of or that the body's holding from um, an experience that happened um, at some point in life. So yes, fear that's a good that's another level of down of the nutshell, I guess you could say <laughs> well it's it's probably one of the most talked about topics every day amongst colleagues, clients. It's certainly brought up every week on the Changebook radio show. I think every author that I have interviewed to date it's it's crept into the conversation, and I think it's just a catalyst that we as human beings all have an experience experience in our lives and it's how we choose to handle the situation or deal with the loss and and move on and not everybody has those strong levels of coping exactly or the tools or the even the awareness that that's actually what you know it 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 boils down to is a fear of something um so when I mentioned gatekeepers earlier and being energies, it's it's literally an energy that may like, oh, okay, this happened last time. You know, let's say somebody's getting ready to take a to level up in their career or their business or whatever. I mean, even stepping up onto a platform and being an author in the change books. I think for some people that might have brought up a whole lot of fear that they either worked through and said yes to the opportunity or they weren't quite ready to work through or didn't have the tools to work through and didn't take advantage of the opportunity once invited. So as an you know as an example, I think everybody everybody has a different tool set. They can be completely brilliant in what they do, but if they don't have the tools to navigate day-to-day life and to move beyond the things that are keeping them stuck, then they may not be standing on the platform that they truly love to be standing on, if that kind of makes sense. <laughs> oh, at, no, absolutely it does. And there's a part of your uh, chapter that um, I think Jim Lutz was probably uh, really drawn to because he always loved talking about the subconscious mind. And your chapter focuses around, you know, money and and different ways and strategies. And it's just it's just such a nice free flowing chapter to read. And I've done your exercises, but I wanted to read just a short paragraph. And then I'd like you to clarify something for our listeners. So you say in your say in your chapter. This work goes much deeper by asking the subconscious mind questions and receiving answers using dominant and non-dominant handwriting exercises. Here are some of the questions covered in the class I taught on being money. Now, I understand dominant and non-dominant. Could you just give the listeners an overview of what you teach in these hand? Uh, writing exercises and what you've seen as a lecturer or facilitator of this class and maybe some of the aha moments some of your students or clients have experienced from doing this particular exercise. Yes, so dominant, non-dominant, when we're writing with our dominant hand, which would be the the hand that we would sign a contract or checks. Checks kind of seem like, you know, old school now because most people don't use them, but... um, So whatever you sign anything with, sign your name to. So when we write out a question to ourselves, essentially, with our dominant hand, we're laying down the information to the conscious mind. When we change hands with that writing utensil, we're switching to the other brain, so the other side of the brain. So meaning if we're right brain dominant or left brain dominant, whatever side we're switching when we change hands. 
So we're tapping into, I usually say, you know, change hands and then take a pause, just take a breath and allow the information to come up. Some will hear it, some will feel it, sometimes it's one word, sometimes it's going to be a couple of sentences. And then, of course, you're writing it out and what you're doing is like you're tapping into that subconscious mind and a different aspect of your being and some of the information a lot of students and, and clients are just like amazed at what comes through. Like, I never thought of it like that, but now it makes sense that it's, you know, and obviously some of the questions that are yes, no, they're just going get, to get a yes, no, and then we can dive deeper in, in asking the questions. We can also sometimes, um, I've seen where people may not have a connection to the information, and yet when we do an energy process on it, then it makes sense. So tapping into the subconscious mind, it's like mining for gold within our being, within ourselves, within our soul cells, within the mind itself to bring up the information that's really what's kind of keeping us maybe from taking the step that we need to take if that if we're going to go back to that analogy. I can see that. And I guess my question is to play the devil's advocate. How do you handle or how do you approach the naysayers that don't believe in energy or you know it's a fear-based comment from people because the fear of the unknown for people that don't want to take a meditative journey or look within how do you handle those situations well generally I don't attract those people (laughs) um you know into my work or into my realm and if I do it's like I honor everyone for where they're at right now and what their beliefs are if they're being um in a place where they're really curious i will answer their questions of course i don't just you know kick them to the to the curb but the reality is it's like have an experience if you want to be in a place of judgment and being negative about something but you haven't had an experience to see that what see see the possibility of it then Come back to me when you're ready to have an experience or take advantage of something that I offer for free. Have an experience and then come back and dialogue with me about your experience because then I can go deeper and answer those questions. So ultimately, if if someone doesn't have resonance with me or my work, that's okay. Take the next step on to something else for them because I'm not here to convince people of anything. I'm here to help facilitate shifts and changes in their lives. So as I started out, it's like I really don't attract people that, you know, people don't sign up for a session and then come in and like, and really I've never had anybody in a class that, you know, has signed up for a class come in and say, well, this doesn't work or this or that. It's like, okay, let's just take it another layer or we'll relanguage the question and or intuitively I'll get the information for them if they just are blocked enough that they're not getting anything and then they'll generally have a resonance with what comes up. Or they'll say, yes, that's been a pattern in my life for a long time. Right. And I I can see that. I think you have the most perfect voice for doing the work that you do. It's very calming. And I would love to know um, where your name derived from. It's such a beautiful name. Thank you. It's not my birth name. Um, actually back in the early nineties, um, my guides would give me information. They would like give me the first two letters of a name when I was really asking more questions about my guides and names. And so I felt like after a while it was kind of a game. Um, and, and it was okay because it also taught, taught me patience. And, um, so, my guides in meditation had told me I was going to be receiving a new name. It's like, okay, great. And so I'd already been down the patient track a little bit. So I was waiting for the information to just drop in. And the first two letters, duh, <laughs> for the Dakara. So it's like the first two letters and I was like laughing about it because it's like, okay, so I have a new name and it starts with duh. <laughs> and then, um, I'm going to say a couple weeks after that, I was in Kauai or on Kauai, the island of Kauai, and with some friends, and one of them was channeling, and I was playing with um, some oracle cards, 
and the rest of the name just dropped in. So it was like, okay, I like the rest of it. So then I was, you know, I was making sure I had the spelling correct, especially on the, on the surname. And um, so it's basically a name that was dropped in from non-physical. And when we break down da, ka, ra, those are all seed symbols or are, uh, sound, uh, seed sound symbols. If we think about da, it's that ah and the da represents the divine feminine or mother earth energy. Ka is universal life force energy and ra as in the sun god is male energy. So there's magical energy just in saying that name. And of course, I didn't know that when it first came in. It's it's unfolded. And then back in the late 90s or early 2000s, all of a sudden over a period of a few months, I had people, just random people that I'd never met from different um, platforms, I don't, I don't remember. It wasn't LinkedIn, but it was something else like that. Like I would just start getting um, meanings of my name in Japanese and in South African and in different things. It's like, okay, well, this is interesting. So it just took it to another level because one of them is it's um, in the South African dialect. It's a word for or a meaning of happiness. So. Yeah, it's just been a journey with the name, um, and it's been since, I think, 92, 1992 is when I received the name, and I fully embraced it and have used it. It took me a while. I didn't fully embrace it back then. I mean, I did as far as a working name, but with my family, you know, it's it's hard for a family to switch gears, you know, when you're already kind of the weirdo in the family, which... I fully embrace, and I teach others to embrace their inner weirdo because it's really when we embrace our authentic self that we're, you know, able to step forward because then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or says or or whatnot. So, um, yeah, and my family now, uh, most of them call me by Dakara, refer to me as Dakara. Well, I think it's a beautiful name. Now, we've got about seven minutes left, and I really wanted to read a passage out of your chapter. And then after my experience with you on the phone earlier this week, I thought I would love for you to read the last part of your book where you take the readers on a meditative journey and help them anchor in and activate their true beingness with money. So would you be so kind to read that last little bit for us and just take us on that little journey? Yes, of course. Yeah, and I do have that recorded on the the resource page too. So, and it is a kind of a chunk down version from the class. You know, I kind of shrunk it down. There's a much bigger experience in the in the class itself. So, and I just want to say before you read whatever, it's like when we think about being anything instead of doing when we're being and we're being present so if we can be in that energy in this case of being money i invite all the listeners to really tap into what does that feel like does it feel light does it feel heavy does it feel good does it not feel good and if it doesn't feel good or if it feels heavy it's just an indicator that there's some energy there to be released and if we bring everything down to an energetic level it is just that everything is energy you know, the chair or you're, you're sitting in, the car you're driving in, whatever it is, it's all energy. And so when we can be in energy by choice, like be money, then we're going to have that resonance and magnetically start attracting money into our field, into our lives. And that's kind of the whole premise of this chapter in the book and, and the class that I offered. Well, I'm I'm going to let you take it away. We've got just over five minutes, so take us on that imaginative, or not imaginative, our meditative journey that you've got on page two thirty one, and just finish the the chapter with your beautiful writings because I I think it's your meditative journey to say I wanted to say it, and then I rethought about it, and I I would like to hear your beautiful voice uh, give the listeners just a taste of of your gift. Excellent. So I'm going to invite everyone to imagine walking into a beautiful meadow, any season of the year that calls to your heart. This is a safe and sacred space that I set up before the call today. And just 
close your eyes and listen to the sound of my voice and imagine that you're standing in the meadow as I call forth the beloved Lakshmi. Imagine her beauty and grace as she walks towards you in her orange, pink, and golden sari. Observing the energy of wealth, beauty, and sustenance all around her. Look deep into her eyes as she places the palm of her left hand onto the third eye. I call forth and create an energy package at your high self point, filling it with the energy to activate the brain and to create that new neural pathway, calling forth wealth, abundance, and the energy that will vibrationally and magnetically charge this pathway within your brain to attract wealth, opportunities, and wisdom to utilize the wealth in the best ways for your life. As Lakshmi holds her left palm on your forehead, you're going to drop this energy package down into the crown. Anur, Anur, Anur. Allowing it to move into the brain and through the corpus callosum. Anur. Sparks of light activating the neural pathway magnetizing it now moving it to the back of the head to the consolidation point Anur, Anur. allowing it to float down the spine opening the chakras to receive this energy activation allowing the energy to flow activate and energize the neural pathway and any areas of your brain that are connected to the energy of wealth abundance, and sustenance. Now we'll install a cord of light that you can use as a tool. Imagine a beautiful silver orb dropping from your high self point into your crown, filled with the energy of money, sustenance, and wealth. It unfurls into a cord that spirals down the core of your being, moving down into Mother Earth and anchors between your feet, pulling it taut from the crown to beneath your feet. Visualize you're reaching into your heart and gently strum that cord of light, of wealth, sustenance, the energy of money, and just pluck it with your fingertips as if it was a cord on a harp, allowing the vibrational frequency to move throughout your being, into your cells, DNA, RNA, and the subatomic particles within your being. Take a deep breath in and out, drinking in the vibrational energy from the cord. Take another deep breath in and out, bringing your awareness back to your present moment. You can raise your vibration each day by strumming this cord to keep the vibration of wealth and the neural pathway magnetized to its fullest status. And so it is. That is the perfect ending. Perfect ending to a perfect interview. And I loved uh, spending time with you today. I think you're just such an interesting woman. I'm honored to be in the change book with you, and I wish you nothing but continued success. Thank you so much for Deb. Uh, thank you so much, Deb, and all of the listeners, and it's been my pleasure, and, and I'm honored to be in the same book with you as well. And may we all continue on our journey and our path of joy, happiness, and money, being money. absolutely well thanks everyone and we'll be back next week 1 30 eastern standard time live hopefully with no technical details so i wish everyone a great day and again jacara thank you so much thank you for your time have a great day you too bye-bye bye everybody
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 